Good morning. Welcome to those who are joining us online today as well. Today in our spiritual bodybuilding series on spiritual gifts that are given to the church, we're learning about the second half of the gifts of action. So just to kind of recap, if you'll remember, so far we have covered the gifts of the heart. These are gifts from the Holy Spirit that help us love others well. And those are the gifts of helping, hospitality, mercy, faith, and giving. And then we talked about the gifts of proclamation, gifts that help us tell Jesus' message through the Holy Spirit's power. And those gifts are evangelism, teaching, discernment, knowledge, wisdom, and prophecy. And then last week, we heard about the first two gifts of action, gifts that help mobilize us as the church to do the mission of Jesus and the world. And the first two of those gifts are leadership and administration. And today we're hearing about the last three of those gifts of action, which are the gifts of shepherding, encouragement, and apostleship. And then next week, Pastor Darren will be sharing with us in the last category of spiritual gifts, the gifts of inspiration that reveal God's power, the gifts of healing, miracles, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. So today, as we're talking about the gifts of action, what are the gifts of apostleship, shepherding, and encouragement? Well, according to the Life Keys definitions, apostleship is the ability to minister across cultures or in starting new ministries. The gift of shepherding is the ability to guide and care for other Christians as they experience spiritual growth. And the gift of encouragement is the ability to effectively listen to people, comforting and assisting them in moving toward wholeness. And sometimes this encouragement gift is also called exhortation because this kind of encouragement isn't just about making people feel better where they are, although that's part of it. This kind of encouragement is urging people to move forward in a way that's good, healing, and helpful toward the things the Lord has for them. And all of these gifts are things that are needed in the church, and we can honestly see them all in Jesus. In John 10, as we just heard, Jesus tells his disciples that he is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And Jesus desires very passionately to care for his flock, even to the point of laying down his life to lead us into what's good. And he encourages us with the truth that he knows us and that we know him too. He encourages us to trust him, to continue to grow in knowing his voice and in following him. But he also tells us in John 10, verse 16, that he has other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, and he must bring them too. So Jesus passionately wants not only to care for and encourage those inside the fold, but also to see those outside the fold gathered in. Shepherding, encouragement, apostleship. Now, people who have the apostle gift are those people who are moved to the heart by that mission of Jesus to reach those who have not heard by doing the hard work of building bridges to a new group of people. And the apostle gift is kind of like a combo gift because it combines a gift of faith and a gift of evangelism with almost a reckless willingness to try and fail and try again, to move beyond the connections of their comfort zone for the sake of the gospel, reaching people. And people with the apostolic gift see the need in the world for groups of people, for cultures of people to come to know Jesus. And so they desire to create something that will help those particular people find their way into Jesus' flock. When we talked about the gift of evangelism, that can be a little bit more of one-on-one connections with people. But the gift of apostleship is more about making inroads into a whole culture 
a community of people. Their hearts hurt for those who don't know the good news of Jesus saving work for them. And they know in order to reach people, they first have to listen to the culture of the people they're trying to reach. They have to take time to learn to speak their language, to first learn how they think, what they value, what they want, so that they can translate who Jesus is for them in a way that they can hear, in a way that helps them understand that Jesus came for them too. But this apostle gift is a gift that requires a thick skin because they don't always get it right the first time. Sometimes they're misunderstood or rejected or historically even beaten up, literally or metaphorically. Using this apostle gift brings risk, but it also can produce great reward when that gift actually connects people's hearts with Jesus. The body of Christ is built up in a powerful and eternal way. It's deeply blessed. Scriptural example I can think of this is the story of the Apostle Paul in Acts 17 in Athens. Paul is wondering how he can reach this culture to start a conversation about Jesus. So he first takes the time to learn. And he walks around and he listens and he observes what's important to people. And as part of that investigative process, he finds an altar that they had put up to an unknown God because they realized there might be a God that they'd never heard of. So seeing this, Paul has found his in. So the next day, he starts a conversation, and he starts with what he's learned about who they are. He starts by saying, I see that you're very religious people, that you have this monument you put up to an unknown God. So I would like to make my God that you haven't known, known to you. And he makes this amazing apostolic speech, bridging the cultural divides, quoting their own wisdom to point to God, boldly proclaiming who Jesus is. Brilliant as far as speeches go. But as for missional effectiveness, it's one of the most underwhelming responses in Scripture. <laughs> Only a handful of people show any interest at all. But the seed is planted. And that's often the way it is with apostolic work. It takes a while to speak to a different culture, to build understanding. It takes great faith and perseverance. And it doesn't happen overnight. And I think today more than ever, we need this apostolic gift to be put to use through the church for the sake of Jesus' kingdom because there are a lot of Jesus' sheep who are not in the pen, who are out wandering, who need to know that they have a shepherd who loves them, who came for them. But in saying that, I want to make sure you don't misunderstand what this gift actually looks like because I think that we can often just think ministry across cultures means connecting with other countries or with people of other races. And while it certainly can be, I think the work that we need to do in crossing cultures today is even more pressing right here at home. And maybe the cultures that we're being called to reach are pretty different than the ones that you might be thinking about. For example... Destai is the pastor of Every Tribe and Tongue Church, the Ethiopian church that meets in our sanctuary uh, after the 1030 service every Sunday. Destai loves to pray. She loves Jesus. She grew up in the Ethiopian church, the Lutheran church in Ethiopia, and she is a self-proclaimed church girl. And growing up as a church girl, that was my story too. So while Destai and I grew up in very different parts of the world, speaking different languages, part of different cultures, in the deepest connections of life, we share the same culture, the Jesus culture. And we were both passionately steeped in it since childhood. So whenever I talk to Destai, I really don't feel like I'm crossing cultures, per se. 
But when I talk to a Gen Y or millennial Minnesotan who never learned about Jesus growing up, who was never connected to any kind of church community or had any kind of intentional spiritual nourishing, who grew up in a very different, digital, instantly connected world than I did, who I see pulling from the internet or Netflix crumbs of theological understanding to try to piece together some kind of spiritual grounding or meaning for their lives. Suddenly, I feel like I'm in a very foreign land and I don't even know how to speak the language. You see, for me, learning how to speak Jesus' love and truth into this rapidly changing world around me is a much bigger cultural leap. So how do we bridge into cultures that are different from our own right here, right here where we live, with the good news of Jesus, with the truth of his death and resurrection, with his saving love, to proclaim that he came to be the one shepherd for us all, to make us one flock? Well, I think this is where we desperately need our apostles, people with the gift of reaching across cultures. So I would like you to think for a moment, what is a culture that you feel passionate about to be connected to Jesus' saving love for them? For you, it might be immigrants, or it might be stay-at-home parents. It might be teenagers. It might be the recovery community. Or it might be hockey family culture. Our modern world is full of all different kinds of cultures that have their own ways of seeing life and what matters. So who are the apostles among us who are passionate for the sheep in these pens who need to know the Savior who loves them, who are willing to learn the unique cultures and languages of what matters to them in order to translate Jesus' saving love into their world? Has the Holy Spirit gifted you to be a culture bridger for the sake of his love? That's apostleship. So once an apostle makes inroads and people start to confess that Jesus is their Lord and they start gathering as Christians, then what? As the apostle goes out to find another pen and launch the translating process again as their gift, then we need to put into action people with this second gift of the Spirit, shepherding, or as I prefer to call it, sheepdogging. Because clearly from Scripture, there's only one shepherd, Jesus Christ is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. No one ever has and no one ever will love this flock like he does, now and forever. But every group of people who are looking to grow spiritually needs shepherding. And if you know anything about shepherding, you know that it's not like herding cattle. Because shepherds don't move sheep by pushing or scaring or herding them from behind. Shepherds walk in front of the sheep. And the sheep who've come to trust this shepherd to lead them to food, water, and shelter, just follow him. Wherever he goes, they go. And not necessarily because they're enthusiastically inspired by the direction he's chosen, but just because he's proven his care for them. And that leads them to trust that wherever he's going, what they find there is going to be good. And that's what makes this gift a little bit different from the gift of leadership. Leadership is motivational inspirational visional. It's about inspiring and motivating people about the destination that they're going to together. But shepherding is more about what happens in people along the way. It's about guiding and caring for people as they experience spiritual growth, helping them find the spiritual nourishment and to learn how to feed on it daily. 
and helping them find the path again when they get distracted and veer off into what's less than helpful. As I was preparing for this message today, I actually looked up the duties of the shepherd just to make sure I wasn't missing anything. And not surprisingly, I learned that a shepherd's primary responsibility is the safety and welfare of the flock, to patch up minor injuries on the sheep, to lead them to good areas for grazing and water, and to protect them from predators. That didn't surprise me. What did surprise me was to learn that the shepherd also needs to keep an eye out for poisonous plants, because sheep don't often know not to eat what's not good for them. And ingesting the wrong plant can poison their whole system and prevent the good nourishment from getting in too. I was also surprised to read that domestic dogs are actually more of a threat to the flock than actual predators, according to the USDA, because they chase them to the point of exhaustion and then collapse. As part of the flock of the church then, what are the biggest threats to our spiritual health and growth? Minor injuries to our spirits, if they're left to fester, they can become bigger problems. And if they're not brought to the light and moved to forgiveness and healing and grace, and who will help that to happen? Or if we're to chew on some kind of theology that is not of Jesus, something spiritually toxic, it can poison our understanding of who Jesus actually is and what he desires for us. And there is a whole lot of unbiblical toxic theology out there that you can ingest by mistake. And perhaps the most dangerous of all to our spiritual growth are the relentless domestic daily dogs of duty that nip at our heels and chase us constantly, telling us nothing we ever do will ever be enough until even our desire to grow collapses in exhaustion. And that's why, for the sake of the church, the Holy Spirit raises up people with the gift of shepherding to help comfort, feed, and guide the flock, heading off the dogs of duty that would run us ragged with the presence of sheepdogs instead, those who are trained to work with the shepherd for the good of the sheep. And I like this image of sheepdogs because, like I said, as followers of Jesus, we have one shepherd that we all follow. But while you can be a part of a group following a shepherd, it can be easy on the edges to lose sight of him, to get distracted and to wander off and get lost. And that's where the sheepdog comes in. Because a good sheepdog does not scare the sheep. Panic is not good for a flock. A good sheepdog just serves to walk or run alongside them when they're getting off track to course correct. Whoa, little sheep, where are you going? Jesus is over there. Good job. Whoa, that's a ravine. <laughs> Shepherd is over there. Let's go that way. And like the sheep, the sheepdog is also following the shepherd, but works to help the stragglers find the good thing to which the shepherd is leading them. Keeping their eyes on the shepherd, they walk alongside the sheep until those sheep can also see where that shepherd is for themselves. So to move off that metaphor for a minute, who are those among us who are using their shepherding or pastoring gifts around here? I think it's those who feel called to ministries of mentoring. I think about our student ministry guides who serve our teenagers at Refuge, or our small group leaders, or our Sunday school teachers, or our Catalyst volunteers, People whose passion for Jesus, the good shepherd, makes them want to help others see him too, to learn to follow him to the good stuff, who like to serve by gently helping to course correct others toward Jesus when they start to wander, not by scaring them or shoving them, but by walking alongside 
and showing them the shepherd that we're all following. And people with this gift may or may not be passionate about teaching, but they're usually passionate about the hearts of people finding nourishment in Jesus. Do you have a shepherding gift? How might God be calling you to use it? Well, in addition to people with the shepherding gift, the church also needs those with the gift of encouragement because we live in a world that can be incredibly discouraging. I'm sure that's not news to you. This is also a gift of action that requires a lot of listening first because you can't encourage someone if you don't know what they're going through and you're not going to know what they're going through unless you ask and truly listen to their answer and then listen for what the Lord is doing in them as well. To use this spiritual gift of encouragement is to first listen to them, then listen to God, and then help them listen to God for how he would move them forward. And this gift of encouragement is the ability to effectively listen to people, comforting and assisting them in moving toward wholeness. And that's why it's a gift of action. This is the exhortation part of encouragement. And it's an encouraging thought to think that no matter where you are with Jesus, there's always going to be a next step, that he is up to something in you. And that's why this is an encouragement to others, to help them to see the active nature of God in each of us. Last year, I preached on an example from this, from the book of Acts, Barnabas, whose name means son of encouragement who gave support to the apostles and gave them courage and hope to do the work of the ministry by helping them notice and celebrate how God was at work in them. So if the gift of apostleship helps people connect with Jesus' promise and enter into the flock, and the gift of shepherding helps people find and take in spiritual nourishment, the gift of encouragement then helps them move forward with that nourishment into healing or into their unique callings from the Lord. Sometimes that encouragement is, you can do it. Sometimes that encouragement is, do you see how the Lord is working in you? And sometimes that encouragement as exhortation is more an urging or a warning. Avoid that. Or I think you're gifted here. Encouragers help people find the shape of their calling. And in that way, I think 1 Thessalonians 5 is full of that kind of encouragement. It says, now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. You hear those? Acknowledge, admonish, urge, warn, encourage, help. All of those are part of that gift at work. And then the chapter ends by actually encouraging all of us with what's at the center of all this. In verse 23, And may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. For the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. See, after all of this shaping that we do to admonish and urge and warn and encourage and help, at the end of the day, it's God himself who will be doing the sanctifying. The one who calls Jesus is faithful, and he will do it. So seek to grow and do and stretch and lean in and reach for all that you're gifted to do, but don't sweat it, because <laughs> when it all comes down, this is God's work in us. This is the Holy Spirit's doing through Jesus' faithful power. You are a work in progress, and he is the one who is at work 
in you. Because in all of this, your God has known and loved you first. He sent you a shepherd who will never abandon you, even in the face of death. You have a Savior who took on your sin and laid down his life to give you his life forever. And he's no hired hand whose loyalty to you might come and go. He's in this with you for the long haul. Jesus said in John 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks and the, fl the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Do you know that Jesus is your shepherd? Whether you're in the center of the flock or feel like you're barely on the edge of the field, do you know that when you were far from him, he came to walk in your shoes, to speak your heart language, that he is fluent in the culture of you, and that his love is for you? Do you know he'll never abandon you? Do you know that not only does he know you, but he wants you to know him. And no matter where you are on this journey of knowing his heart, you're only at the beginning of all there is to know. Do you know his love that longs for all to hear his voice, to make us one flock with one shepherd? See, through this series that we've been presenting the ways the Holy Spirit equips people for his church and mission for the world, our purpose has been to help you to see that the way Jesus wants you to be at work in the world is through you, through us, that you matter in this mission. The unique combination of gifts and passions that is you has a powerful purpose that he wants to use to bless the world right where you are. But that power and that purpose can only emerge in you and through you for his kingdom when the center of your soul has already found its peace in Jesus' saving love for you. When you know you have already been found, drawn in by Jesus, who is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who first came to seek you out when you were lost. And that even now, right now, you have a good shepherd who will never leave you and who'll be with you to the end and even after the end into the new beginning. And that you can know the daily encouragement of his love through the counseling of his, his Holy Spirit to continue to grow in wholeness. And when you know that love is true for you, beloved of God, that's when he can use you to reflect that love to the world around you. So wherever you are today, if what you're needing is to connect with your unique purpose, to know that the Holy Spirit wants to equip you and lead you is our prayer for you today. On February 16th and the weeks following after the last set of spiritual gifts are presented, we have a spiritual gifts assessment for you to take that might help you figure out where you might be able to use some of the gifts that God has given you for this kingdom purpose. And we're excited to see how the Lord wants to use this to help us grow together in his mission. But if where you are today is simply feeling like you don't know how you connect at all to this flock... I want you to hear today, you have a Savior who already knows you, 
who loves you. And you are here listening to these words today because he wants you to know his love is for you. And may that truth land in your heart as the center of his purpose for you today. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the gift of your church. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit, empowering, equipping, strengthening us to reflect your love to each other and to the world. But as we seek your purpose, Lord, help us never lose sight of you. Because you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And we trust that the Lord who has called us is faithful and he will do it. Just as you've done your saving work for us, Jesus, through the cross and through your resurrection, as we lay our hearts before you, we trust that you will also do this work in us. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.